River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our current service times are 9.30 and 11.30 Sunday mornings. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to the Reaching for Real Life podcast. Welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. My name is Baron Wiley. So grateful that you tuned in or that you're listening on demand on all the great podcast platforms that are out there. And Pastor Sean, how are you, my friend? I am doing great, Baron. You know, I don't know if you can tell from my voice, fighting a little something. Can, yeah. Are you okay? Should you? Should we be doing this? Should you be laying down? Well, I am laying down. Well, <laughs> <laughs> can well, you get why would today be any different? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm fine to do this. But yeah, it's, it, it's one of those cold flu things it's been going around and no sean um, i know you dude and you just go and you go and you go you were you were speaking a lot this past weekend weren't you uh that is true I actually had a really neat kind of event it's it's a regional conference for a fellowship of churches that we've been a part of been involved with called the missionary church and they have a whole group of hispanic churches that we have a lot of relationship with because a lot of them are in texas i actually used to lead the group that they're a part of because we were just getting started with the texas district and some churches there so it's just a really neat group and it's grown unbelievably a great leader named jose mendez has been the leader of that group and so we've stayed in contact and they asked me to speak this year we actually hosted it here at river city our spanish congregation river city and espanol kind of played host to it and it was fantastic we had over 300 different uh, people, mostly pastors, but lots of just parishioners from Hispanic churches around the world, actually. So that means you were speaking and then you had an interpreter or was it uh, kind of multi-language going on there? No, Baron, hablo español. No, you No, 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 señor. No, mentidas, mentidas. I, 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 said, I said several phrases in Spanish, but yes, I had a translator. Okay, cool. And did, what did you talk about? What was your encouraging word? You want me to, in English for our, our guests today? Okay. No, I just spoke out of the life of Gideon. I talked about a leadership, biblical leadership. First, I talked about how Gideon, you know, what's funny when God called him, Gideon didn't have any title. He wasn't, he was a guy just hiding out, trying to stay out of trouble because of the Midianites, but God called him and used him. And the first thing was, you know, you don't have to have a, a position. A leadership position isn't what's required, but just being a person who leads, a person who goes first. And we talked about that for the kingdom. And it was really great time engagement, great engagement. It was awesome. And then I talked, obviously, the second night talked about just God's victory that he gave Gideon. The interesting thing is how Gideon had to listen to the Lord. Mm. You know, we talked about how a godly leader is a listening leader. And we talked a little bit about how to listen and following the Lord by listening. And, you know, for a lot of people, we read the word and we know the word, but this idea of a vibrant, interactive relationship with the Lord where I'm listening and following for some people is kind of new. 
you know, I think it should be second nature, but for a lot of times in our faith, we don't handle it that way. We kind of say, hey, well, God said what he wanted to say, and now he leaves us on our own. And that's not the case at all. And so we learned some great lessons about listening. If you're, if you're listening like we just were, Pastor Sean, I think there's some rain over the house coming down. Isn't that sweet? Oh, man. How sweet the sound. Oh, I, yes. The last two days, I've had good, nice, soaking rain out here. Yeah. And we've got forecasts for more. Uh, just thanking the Lord for the rain. We, we need it. And so we've been praying. And it's been pretty cool. I heard an interesting observation uh, actually by a Jewish gentleman who talked about the picture of rain and that the size of the, of a raindrop, and it's all, again, not counting hailstorms that damage the crops and kill Egyptians, but the size of the raindrop as it comes down is a picture of mercy. And that if the drops did come down bigger, things would get hurt. But that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Just the science is in that nourishing and life giving, not destructive. Yeah. Right. But I didn't know where you were going with that. So the whole kill the Egyptian thing was kind of out of left field. I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? Obviously a biblical reference. We don't want to wish any harm on the Egyptians today. Uh, No, no. (laughs) Uh, But, but again, it's a, it's a gift from God. Obviously it's, it's a thing where you want to go out and witness this miracle of water falling from the sky. Well, and, and the amazing thing is I don't care how much we, we water our grass or whatever with our hoses and our sprinklers. Nothing nourishes like rain, mm-hmm. the actual nourishment. I mean, and there's, it's so life-giving. And it's, to me, the difference between kind of our best efforts and when God does something. Yeah. When God does a movement, when God's spirit is there, there's such a washing and a nourishing and a life-giving aspect of it. It's powerful. Well, Pastor Sean, as we talked about the weather, maybe the change in the, in the seasons here, well, guess what? It's We're not mid-October. We're actually late October. We're marching towards that Christmas. Christmas holiday. Um, and right. so with that, a lot of people start thinking about end of year giving uh, and not necessarily right. quote to the church people have for businesses and tax purposes. Right. It's your time to kind of, you know, help yourself. But there's a bigger picture involved when it comes to giving and more specifically, radical generosity is a, is a phrase I like to mm-hmm. use. This is a biblical concept, correct? Well, obviously, uh, generosity is, you know, it's funny, Baron, we're in the middle of a capital campaign and it's something we've only done a few times in our history. But it's called City on a Hill, and we are doing some much-needed updates, improvements, and additions to our campus that God has given us so much opportunity to Mm. minister to not just our congregation or even our neighborhood, but well beyond. Uh, That's a cool story. We talked about it before. We can talk about it again sometime. But just challenging ourselves as, as followers of Jesus to say, okay, this is our mission. And we, you know, the way our church is supported is by tithes, but a campaign like this is something above and beyond the tithes of the church. And so it is, you, you start talking about, it is radical generosity. Baron, I like that phrase because it's radical to those who don't understand the provision and the power of the Lord. Hmm. Because again, it's rooted in the idea that everything I have is from God. It's all his. The idea behind stewardship is, I get to use it, I get to enjoy it, uh, but God is the one who actually owns it. Because that's a, everything's a 70, 80, however long we live, 90-year loan, right? Mm. We come with nothing, we leave with nothing. So there's this mindset of stewardship. And radical generosity just recognizes that and says, wait a minute, God's my provider. He has always blessed me. He's taken care of me. And so with what he's given me, I'm going to be generous. And the kind of generosity that trusts in him. Um, it, it's really important to to understand at River City, we do not push people to give more than they can. We don't try to manipulate. We're very careful on a regular basis. We don't pass an offering plate. We don't 
you know, do any of that. We have, we teach on giving, we have offering boxes in the back of our auditorium and our people give generously. It, it, it's not at all about manipulation, but it is about saying, okay, this is our ministry. This is our campus. God has called us to do this outreach to the community. And there are some things that he's called us now to do, to step up and do. How can I be a part of that? And how can I do what God's asked me to do? Because see, that's really what it's all about. It's about listening for his voice and then doing what he says mm-hmm. in this area of generosity. Pastor Sean, obviously tithing, scriptural. A lot of people just don't. Uh, they say it's an Old Testament teaching. It's not in the New Testament. What is your answer to that? I think most New Testament believers believe in generosity. Some try to make the tithe. Well, that was part of the law, and that's abolished, so we, we don't tithe. And again, we strongly disagree with that. The tithe is before the law, before God gave Moses the law. Cain and Abel gave brought, brought their offerings and gifts to the Lord. Mm. Abraham actually tithed to this kind of mysterious Old Testament priest named Melchizedek, which many believe is a pre-incarnation manifestation of Christ. Mm. Abraham tithed the Melchizedek, so that's before the law. Um, the Apostle Paul talked about proportional, give as God has prospered you. Jesus Christ mentioned the tithe, and he said, you know, you Pharisees, you tithe religiously, but yet you forget the weightier matters of the law. But then he, he made the same, and he said, you should have done the former without neglecting the latter. Mm. And so uh, this idea of tithe is a powerful principle, which anybody, that's one area where when you talk to a tither, someone who has been tithing, they won't shut up about it because they've so experienced the blessing and the prosperity of the Lord through that. And when I say prosperity, I understand I'm not saying, oh, if you tithe, God promises to make you rich. I'm saying God promises to bless you. And, you know, the whole idea of of the blessing of the Lord and the prosperity of the Lord is that he wants to bless you no matter how much or how little you have in the bank. And I've experienced that. I've experienced that starting this ministry out and God asking us not to fundraise and we're not passing a plate. I'm like, Lord, how are we going to be supported? He said, trust me, I'm your provider. And he did it abundantly, even miraculously at times. And he's done it all along the way. So helping people understand this idea that scripture uses the phrase that in Second Corinthians that God who provides seed for the sower wants to increase the seed so of your harvest so that you are able to be generous. That's the idea. I find most people want to be generous. There's something in us. We're creating God's image. There's something in us that wants to be generous. If we're not, it's generally fear. What if I don't have enough? What if I'm not able to meet my obligations? And so that's where I think the, the bottom line of radical generosity is when you begin to say, wait a minute, God, it's all yours. What do you want me to be generous with? How do you want me to begin to have an open hand, right? And an open hand's a, you know, it's, it's two, there's two sides to it. It's available. An open hand is available to give, but it's also open to receive. Mm-hmm. God, how do you want me to have an open hand and be generous and knowing that you're going to meet all my needs, you're going to provide for me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, and so many people want to deal with God too. I think we've talked before, you know, not robbing God, if you will, but, but so many folks say, Hey, if I get that bonus, I'll give, or, you know, if I get that raise and I'll give, or, or if I get, if I win the lottery, then and I'll give, what, what right. why can't we give now? That is actually an excellent point. I love talking about that because here's the thing. Generosity is a matter of the heart. It's not actually a matter of the wallet. Yes, it involves your wallet, but it involves everything. And so if you're not generous, with what you have now, if you get bonuses, you win lotteries or whatever, uh, your heart's still the same. And so it, it is amazing how we've watched, you know, and I always walk congregations through this when we talk about resources. 
I talk about how many of us are making more money today than we ever imagined possible. How are we doing on the generosity front? Because sometimes it's like, do you feel rich? Like if I would have told you 20 years ago, you're going to be making this amount of money. Oh, I'll be rich then. You, you know, your younger self. Oh, I, I'd be doing great then. Well, how do you feel now? Oh, I don't know. Because what happens is we just get broke at a higher level, right? <laughs> we, we, we increase our debt. We increase our expenses. And so we, we just end up going, I don't feel any different than I was 20 years ago, even though I can look on paper and see that I'm making a lot more money. And the, the idea is if you're not generous now with what you have when you don't have a lot, well, down the road, if you do get a lot, chances are you're not going to be generous with that because it's just, it's a reflection of our heart. Hmm. It's a heart that says, God, I trust you. Everything is yours. You've blessed me and you're going to continue to bless me. You're hmm. my father. You've always not just give eked out an existence, just give me just what I need, but you always give me more. You allow me to enjoy my life. You allow me to enjoy the things that you give me. So father, help me to be able to be generous knowing that you'll make sure I have everything I need. Hmm. Again, the picture of Jesus uh, honoring the woman who gave the the smallest coin that she you know had, which was her all of her possessions, and she was greatly honored for for that. Her heart. Yeah, that's a great point, Baron. That's a great point because it, it, Jesus made it clear this woman and he. We talk about the widow's mite, mm -hmm. and it was actually the translation is like two little copper coins. You know, it's like less than a couple pennies. And what I find interesting about that passage is Jesus actually calls his disciples over. The picture is him sitting literally in the outer court, and he's kind of watching the people as they're giving their offerings. And this lady comes along, and she gives this little two coins. It would mount, most people would never notice. Jesus stops, calls his disciples over. They're in a different part of the court. Calls them over and says, look, she gave more than all these others because she gave all that she had to live on. They gave out of their abundance. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about the amount. It literally is not. It is about our hearts that say, God, I trust you, and I want to bless you. I'm going to obey you, and I want to be generous. And man, that is a kind of faith and generosity that that moves the heart of God. All right, so now I'm going to rag on myself a little bit, maybe even you a little bit, Sean. You can speak to this there, too. Uh, I'm cheap. Wow, well, you know how to brag on yourself, Baron. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Ch how do I change my heart is the, is the question. Is it, is it a, just a leap of faith? That I gotta, oh. I gotta give till it hurts before I, you know. Mm. Now you're getting me ready to preach, Baron. <laughs> oh, hold on, here it comes. Uh oh. Uh, no, what I love, I love that question, Baron, because the Bible gives us a a way to train our heart. You know, not just change our heart, okay, but mm. train our heart. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, he said, "You can't serve both God and money. Where your treasure is." there your heart will be always. That little state where your treasure is, there your heart will be always. I love that phrase because we kind of blow by that. What we think it's saying sometimes, because we would say it this way, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be, mm. right? Even your question, how can I change my heart? Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. That's not what Jesus said. I think it's true. It's a true enough statement, but that's not what he said. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Literally, I can train my heart to trust him by taking what I have and beginning to be generous, beginning to say, Father, I'm going to invest in things that are eternal. Well, what's eternal? The things of God, his work, and people. Everything else here is temporal. So when I invest in God, his work, and people, I'm investing in eternal things. You know, that's why Jesus said, don't lay up treasure here on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. 
lay up treasure in heaven, or they can't do that. And the whole idea is where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so I really believe there's a secret there of beginning to say, okay, God, you are wanting to help me be generous. Mm -hmm. You're wanting to train my heart. And so I begin not with what I'm going to get one day if I, you know, make twice as much as I'm making, or one day if I win the lottery or whatever. I'd be of where I am right now. I always encourage people, I'll begin with the tithe. I challenge people to, to try it for 90 days. Try it for 90 days. See what God does. That word in Malachi, you know, why are you robbing me? How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Where he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not pour out so much blessing, you don't have enough room to contain it. Mm -hmm. I love that passage because what he's saying is, I will do more with 90%. I will bless you more. I will take care of you more with 90% than you could do with 100%. And anybody who's ever tithed, I challenge them. I've never had someone come back and go, wow, this, this you know, God wasn't, wasn't faithful to me. It, it's amazing. They tithe. So literally you have 10% less, right? Mathematically, you have 10% less. And then they watch how God meets their needs. Maybe an expense that they thought they were going to have, they don't have to have. Or maybe there's an unexpected job that comes in and they're able to make some extra resource or whatever. They just go for, I, I usually say, try three months, see what happens. They go three months. And it's like, wow, not only am I not worse off, but man, God did these couple little things along the way. And what they've just done is they've mathematically proved the faithfulness of God. Because I don't care who you are, uh, 90% is always less than 100. So one place in scripture, God says, test me in this. Jesus, it, when he's combating the enemy in the wilderness, he quotes from Deuteronomy and says, you know, you're not, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. Mm. But Malachi chapter 3 is a God-ordained, God-blessed exception to the rule. Where he says, no, no, in this, I want you to test me. And I think it's important because, you know, Baron, resources is how we meet our needs. That's why it's so close to our heart. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so prone to idolatry. Because it's it's not just about, it's not about, you know, oh, I love money so I can, you know, have a huge stack of cash in my garage. It's what it does for me. I feel secure. I feel empowered. Mm -hmm. I feel safe. That's why resources, money, material things are an idol because they really they go they go to very close to how we meet our needs and that's why it's an area where god says test me in this try me and i'll show you how i can do more if you'll be faithful with me once you do that once you start tithing and watch god work and you and, and literally watch your fear diminish hmm. now up other acts of generosity other opportunities to give you know your neighbor up the street you know they're struggling they need a fence fix well you've got you go boy i wish i could do something about it. then you realize wait a minute i've been saving god's blessed me i actually can i can go buy some materials maybe go help them build their fence or or the the lady up the street who has a need or the 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 something that's happening at your church there's a a special ministry thing a missions project that you'd love to be a part of well you can because you realize wait a minute god promised to meet my needs and not only just my just my bare minimal but he's promised to increase my seed for sowing so that i can be generous on every occasion yeah no one has felt bad about giving <laughs> and fixing a fence yeah. you know it's, it's also feels good right well that's the part of us i want to suggest that's that's because our father is generous and we're created in his image in some some ways, it's times like that that we recognize, oh, that's the resemblance of our Father in us. We want to be generous. And it's fear that's robbing us of the gift of generosity. I'd like to know what the feeling is to give 90% and just keep 10. Well, you know what, Baron? There are people There are people who have done that. I've, I've known uh, people, very well-to-do people, mm. who realize, man, I, I could never spend all I have. And, they're a, and they, they 
tithe 90, live off the 10. And man, I just, I think the restriction is our fear. Mm -hmm. And I want to just say, that's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be, that God gave us a way to train this fear out of our heart and to train our heart towards faith and generosity. Mm -hmm. And I think the tithe is a great baseline. And then other kinds of acts of generosity build on that. I've got my own personal testimony on, on giving in secret and not, you know, not making display of it. You're not writing a big check with a big <laughs> three by six foot check, you know, saying, Hey, we're, we're doing all this. You can do it secretly. Right. And God yes. is the one who sees it. Uh, and yep. that's, I think that's the recipe for, for more joy. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Here's the thing. It's like what Jesus said about prayer. He says, go into your inner closet and the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So again, when I'm generous, it's not just a two-way kind of transaction, me giving to this person or me giving to the church or to a nonprofit that I care about or mm -hmm. whatever. That, that would be a two-way transaction, just me and them. But no, no, it's three-way because the, my father's involved. I am being generous out of obedience to him. So he always sees. So the fun thing about anonymously giving is you just get to bless someone. You get to see them blessed without that sense of, without the mixed motive of, but I also like that recognition, that little pat on the back, that attaboy was kind of nice too. That's one of those things where just like, again, he's talking about prayer, but he said, you know, when you do these things to be noticed, you've received your reward. Mm. Do it in secret. And your father who sees in secret, it's the same passage of scripture. I think it's, it's Matthew six. Yeah. He's the same thing. When you give your alms, do it in secret. Mm -hmm. When you pray, go into your inner closet and not to be noticed by men. So there, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Well, besides the church and doing the campaign and, and creating more ministry there at River City Community Church, uh, there's also great nonprofits uh, that you support. We just talked about the uh, the Pregnancy Care Center. Uh, things to keep in mind for oh, yeah. end of year giving. Oh, yeah. Again, right now we're focusing our stuff on the stuff that we're doing through City on the Hill because we have our feeding ministry. That's why we, we did multiple nonprofits. We we have, you know, Real Life Community Outreach is a nonprofit that, that people can give directly to. Corporations, things like that, who are not really going to give to a church, but they want to give to a nonprofit. Well, Real Life Community Outreach is feeding the poor. It's doing vocational training. That's all Spanish speaking. Our vocational mm. training is, which is great. And it's practical air conditioning, electrical welding. Wow. Um, and every year we're graduating groups of students who are trained to go get jobs and certify. So that's a nonprofit that we have, you know, things like our school. But yeah, there's there's all kinds for end of the year giving. Those are a great example. I think things like uh, the Pregnancy Care Center. That's just something I'm passionate about. I think there's other great, you know, Christian assistance ministry in San Antonio does feeding ministry downtown that I think does an outstanding work. We support foreign missions. You know, got a great ministry partner in India who's fantastic at caring for the poor and, and planting churches. You know, our bias, because we believe kingdom ministry is the most important. What people need is Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Food is an important, uh, obviously something that's a, a felt need for everybody. Obviously we need it, but Again, the most important thing I can do is connect someone to Jesus, who is their provider. Mm. So when we feed, it's always with the, with the idea to meet that need and bless those people, but then to introduce them to the one who changed our lives and who will change their life and their future. So our bias in ministries, if we can connect to ministries that are presenting the gospel and are planting churches that will last and will keep ministering to those communities, that's high priority for us.
Well, this Reaching for Real Life radio show and podcast is also under the umbrella of Real Life Ministries. And so I challenge you right now, could you go to reachingforreallife.org, scroll down, there's a place to give uh, on the website. And I don't know, five bucks? How many $5 donations can we get <laughs> right now uh, at reachingforreallife.org? But, but we'll take about 100 and uh, and that helps, you know, pay for gas to get to your place. No, <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a great ministry, I think. I think people are blessed by your encouraging words, Pastor Sean. Well, thanks, Baron. I appreciate that. I actually had an interesting, did a funeral a couple of weeks back and a gentleman I'd never had a chance to meet, but his daughter and son-in-law go to our church. Never met him. He wasn't much of a churchgoer, but he liked our radio ministry. Mm. And, you know, it really blessed him and it gave he and his daughter something to talk about. And he professed faith in Christ and shared that. And our radio ministry was a huge part of that. And so one of the things that they did at the funeral, they said, in lieu of flowers, if you want to give a gift, give to Reaching for Real Life. And that was very humbling. I've never had someone do that quite like that. And uh, it kind of brings everything into perspective. It shows the stuff that we're doing. We have fun. We, you know, goof off together sometimes. And we talk about some important things and all that. But, man, people are listening. They hear the word. And their lives are being changed. Mm -hmm. And for me, I give thanks for that. And it is sobering, it is humbling, and brings much gratitude. Very good. And I don't want to limit the Lord or the listener for sure. Uh, $5, $500, $5,000. God bless you. Reachingforreallife.org. Pastor Sean, we're out of time, my friend. We wanted to talk about some other stuff, but man, we had a great conversation. Thank you, sir. Hey, it was a good conversation. This was a good idea, Baron. Um, And I think it was good timing. You know, I think these are questions people ask. Let me just leave you with this. Just trust the Lord and listen for his voice and then do what he says. Like every other area of discipleship, in this area of generosity, listen for his voice and do what he says. And what will happen is you'll begin to notice that he is faithful. He meets your needs. And all of a sudden, I don't have to be afraid. And that's a great place to be. Hey, God bless. Thanks for listening to Reaching for Real Life. It's been a pleasure. I hope you have a great weekend.